Go ahead and hear our scripture reading for today. It's going to be Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and now introduce up uh, guest preacher for today, um, Reverend Steve Koble. Um, he, uh, yeah, oh, woo, let's go. Um, some of y'all might know him. He's been here before. Some of y'all might not. Um, just a quick intro, though. Um, he right now is working at Renewal Church of Chicago um, as the pastor of ministry leadership, right? Um, and uh, before that, uh, he was at uh, Park Community Church. We're all familiar, I think, to some extent. We're uh, church in the Square um, was originally planted out of Park Community Church. And so that goes back to where a lot of folks might know him. I know that's where I met Steve um, and, and Jason and others. And so, um, yeah, um, I'm excited and uh, blessed to be able to have him here to preach God's word with us today um, and uh, to call him a, a friend. And I think uh, it's exciting to have folks outside of the Church in the Square body, but part of the greater body of Chicago who are doing um, work for the Lord um, to come in and uh, to hear from them. And so thankful for him. Glad to call him friend. Glad to call him an old roommate uh, back in the day. And uh, so been blessed by him, discipled by him as well. And so um, I hope that this is just a gift for, for y'all. And so we just thank you. Steve, come on up, bro. Uh, it is a joy and a delight. And even uh, hearing Aaron say that, uh, I'm thinking to myself, uh, we live with a married couple together, uh, like on the same floor. So like I was in one corner and he was in the other, and we sang a lot of songs about God's faithfulness. Uh, and I just feel like that's a testimony this morning that God has been faithful, uh, that I'm no longer Aaron's roommate. Thank God. <laughs> no offense to Aaron. Um, I also want to say that when Aaron said for the kids to go see Miss Rachel, I was expecting the Miss Rachel, um, but I was sadly disappointed. Um, it is a joy and a delight to be with you all. I love this church. I love your pastor. I love so many of the people uh, who are a part of, of this church. So it is uh, truly an honor to be able to fill in and stand in. I'm years back, like just listen to you sing, man. You ministered to me today. I love that. It ministered to my soul. So uh, it is a joy and a delight to just be able to fill in and step into uh, your pastor's shoes. And if you don't know, there's some really big shoes. Uh, sometimes you can have a, a great preacher in front of you and get so familiar with how they teach the Bible that you, uh, you don't realize that they're as good as they are at what they do and the gift that God has given them uh, and the gift that they are to you. And so we thank God for Pastor Jason and for the opportunity to share this morning. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture one more time uh, into our hearing, and we will, uh, we will jump in together. Uh, Matthew, that is my child, so don't, don't you worry about it. <clears throat> Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The very words of Scripture, amen? Amen. One of the interesting things about divvying out an estate for an inheritance uh, is that 
if there's not a, a will ascribed that different people will try to kind of clamor uh, for different things that that person owned. And oftentimes what will happen is the person with the loudest voice or the person, uh, the person who just won't let it go uh, will be the person that everybody else is like, fine, you can have it, right? Uh, I'll never forget my grandmother, 80 years old, telling stories about people going into my great-grandfather's house uh, and still wondering where that one thing was in the closet. And it's like, Granny, you 80 years old. Like, uh, I think it's time to get over that, right? Um, and, and still uh, sort of being catty amongst the sisters for who has what, years and years and years later. And uh, in, in our own lived experience, the people who are the loudest, the people uh, who raise the most stink, the person who just won't let it go, uh, the, the, the person who, who seizes on to rights, is often the person that receives the thing that they want. Now, ironically, in uh, the kingdom of God, in the way that Jesus is preaching this Sermon on the Mount, evidently uh, the person who receives the inheritance uh, is, is not the person who is the loudest. It's, uh, ironically, it's not the person who clamors for the thing. It's not, uh, it's not the person who seizes on to their rights, but it's actually the person who lays them down. And so the inheritance within the kingdom of God, and we'll talk a little bit about what that is, is actually something that is given to the gentle. It is something given to the meek. Uh, it is something given to, to the lowly. Uh, I, I want to preach from the subject this morning, the name on the estate, the name on the estate. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness towards us. We thank you, God, um, for the opportunity to sing to you, uh, to reorient our hearts to everything that the world has been saying all week, to remind our soul what is true, that you are faithful, um, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Um, and God, that, that gives us an anchor for the soul. And so I pray as we get ready to open up your word that you would open up our eyes to see magnificent things that are in it. I pray, Holy Spirit, that um, you would speak to us, that we wouldn't just simply see things that are in your word, but that we would be changed by the things that we see. And so, Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So our text this morning is a continuation of what uh, history calls the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus uh, started his ministry. He's preaching in this region called Galilee. Um, and the Bible says he gets away from the crowd and he goes up into this mountain and he begins to preach this sermon to his disciples. Um, and he, he begins by saying, blessed, uh, blessed uh, are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Um, and he gets down to this particular passage of blessed uh, are the meek. And uh, many people, uh, they, they would look at this over the course of history, 
uh, and I'm sure Pastor Jason has talked a little bit uh, about this, but uh, they would look at the Sermon on the Mount uh, and say, these are things that you need to do in order to be a Christian. These are the do's of Christianity. If there was uh, sort of a, a New Testament Ten Commandments sort of thing, right? Uh, it is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and, and yet, in all actuality, what I think Jesus is doing uh, in the Sermon on the Mount is actually saying that these are the characteristics of who you are when you're a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, the, these aren't things that you do. These are things that you are. Uh, these aren't things that, that, uh, that you accomplish or ascribe to. This is, this is who you become uh, and are becoming, right? And, and, and so uh, there, is, there is this sense in which he's saying these are the characteristics that make up a person who has experienced the grace of God. And so he says, blessed, blessed. And this idea, is, it's interesting, the word blessed here, sometimes... Um, Sometimes we think that, like, the idea of happiness is not in the Bible. Like, uh, we, can, we can be so, like, uh, uh, and, and it's, it's in the Word. Like, we do have to pick up our cross and die daily. Like, that's, that's, that's a part of it. But there's something about the, the soul's orientation uh, to being a part of the kingdom of God that says, man, I am satisfied here. Uh, Life has a lot to throw at you. Uh, I can testify. Uh, there, there, there are some ups and downs, twists and turns uh, that life will throw at you that you do not anticipate uh, and you are thrown back on your butt. And yet, if you have tasted of grace, it doesn't make it all go away. It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't mean that everything is, uh, is roses and wonderful. Uh, it, it just means that there's a satisfaction of my soul that I'm secure. And the very fact that that's possible makes me blessed. Uh, the, the very fact that that's possible makes me, makes me happy. Uh, blessed are, blessed are the meek. Happy, uh, happy are are the meek. It, it, it's what Jesus says to the woman at the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It is, uh, it is a satisfaction. And and so he's building on these first two uh, beatitudes, these first two blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty, those who realize uh, their own spiritual bankruptcy, and that spiritual bankruptcy has animated in them a sense of helplessness and a need for grace. Blessed are, blessed are those who, who have such a sense that they, they don't have what it takes that they say, I need grace. B blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who look at that spiritual bankruptcy and they see the pervasiveness of the brokenness of sin that exists on the inside of them, that, that it forces them to grieve over it. And, uh, and sometimes I think that we can think of, of the idea of, of sin 
that, that word uh, sin, and it, it carries with it a different connotation, especially um, in kind of our uh, space in, uh, if you will, north side of Chicago, northwest side. Of, I'm south sider now. I don't know if you, Manny, I don't know if you knew that, but I'm a south sider now. It's the same on the south side, too. So. But, but we can look at, especially if you've been in church for a while, one, if you haven't been in church for a while, you're like, what, what is all this conversation about sin? Like, why is everybody talking about how bad they are? But if you have been in church for a while, you can think of sin as the do's and don'ts of Christianity. The, uh, all right, Jesus says, love your neighbor, uh, love, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, give me the Ten Commandments. And you look at the New Testament as sort of the do's and don'ts of what it means to, to follow Jesus. And what, what ends up happening is, is actually you begin to minimize the pervasiveness of sin. And when you minimize the pervasiveness of sin in your own life, what, what you actually end up doing is you, you begin to make the supremacy and sufficiency of the incredible work of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the perfect life that he lived, the sacrificial death that he died, the bodily resurrection uh, that he resurrected with as sort of like that, that's really, like that's awesome. You know, Jesus gets me uh, as my sort of entry point into Christianity and then I do the rest, right? Jesus pays my entry fee into Christianity um, and then I pay my monthly uh, membership dues uh, through my ability to do all the right stuff, right? And so some of y'all looking at me like dead in the face like, that's it, ain't it? That's the thing. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not chuckling at you. I'm saying that's the natural inclination of all of our souls is to think that Jesus was the entry point and then somehow, some way that now the rest of it is on us. And, and your lived experience of life means I, I, everything is transactional in your lived experience. You get a promotion because you worked hard. You, you, you got a scholarship because you had great grades on, uh, at school or you had uh, so many uh, uh, extracurricular activities or uh, you were in, an incredible athlete or, uh, or because you got a certain t uh, test score and, and you know you related to your parents on the basis of how well you did at something was, was how well they were feeling about you at the time, right? It's our lived experience. So as much as that sounds funny that, that Jesus paid our entry fee but we pay our monthly membership dues, that's what we know. That's, that's, what we, that's what we understand. Uh, and, and yet, what, what Jesus is saying is now sin is way more deep than that. Uh, sin, sin is your disposition. Uh, sin sin is, uh, is your soul's aversion to God. Sin is you waking up in the morning 
and rushing off to something other than God to bring you lasting satisfaction, comfort, joy, and peace. It's more than just the do's and don'ts. It, and the purpose of what God says in his word and in the law is to show you and me we don't just need a nudge. We need a substitute. We don't need just an entry fee payment. We need the whole thing. And, and so when Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit and blessed are those, uh, blessed are those who mourn, um, it is to see the pervasiveness of sin in that we build our lives on things other than God. Like just hypothetically, intrigue me for a moment. If you're made in God's image, right? That's what the Bible says. You and I are made in the image of God. If you're made in the image of God and you build your life on things that God created, how would God feel about you building your life on your vocation? Everything rises and falls on your job. Y'all, I know y'all are spiritual, so let me, let me just give a different example. You're made in the image of God, but your life is built on the entire concept of the rom-com movement. Jerry Maguire's You Complete Me right? So you're made in God's image, made for God. He's the one that brings you lasting satisfaction, comfort, joy, and peace, but you spend 50% of your time praying to God to replace him with something he created. That's how pervasive sin is, that you would pray to God to replace him with stuff he was supposed to be and fulfill in your own life. That's how toe up from the flow up you and I are. That's how jacked up you, it, it's, it's, it's not just Jesus, I need you to pay the entry fee. It's like, man, I need you to do the whole thing. And then in response to Jesus doing the whole thing, That kind of level of grace motivates an actual obedience from a heart that loves God and doesn't just want God for his stuff, that just wants God. And so, and so Jesus says, blessed, blessed are those uh, who are poor in spirit. Blessed uh, are those who mourn. They, they, they see the, the way that sin permeates every area and aspect of their lives, the, the natural inclination to turn to things other than God, to fulfill our lives, to satisfy us. Uh, and, and, and he says, once you get that and you realize the incredible nature of what has been done for you, it, it creates a supernatural activity in your soul that causes you to be meek. Uh, uh, it is to be, to be gentle, uh, um, uh, to be uh, 
to be kind. Sometimes I think that we hear, uh, we hear the word uh, meek and we think of it as somebody who's a coward, right? Somebody who, uh, somebody who, who kind of just, hey, I don't want to raise, I don't want to cause any issues, so I'm just going to sweep this under the rug. Um, you know what? You know, there's a lot of people who start a lot of confrontation, and I'm just not a confrontational person. I get anxiety when people get confrontational. Um, and, and, and even some of you, uh, are, are your, your personality type is, uh, is kind of like um, maybe, maybe you as, as a person, you're like really outspoken, right? You're really outspoken. You're really uh, kind of boisterous, gregarious. And um, you, you say what's on your mind, kind. You're, that's your personality, right? And so you heard, blessed are the meek, and you say, I really wish the preacher would have picked a different passage to preach from because I definitely am not meek. And here's the thing. What Jesus is talking about when it comes to meekness is not a personality type. It's, it's not even your own personal psychology. It is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God that changes a person's soul, and it changes that person's disposition. Um, it, it, it's, it's this idea, and, I, and I, love, uh, I love how Jesus kind of reflects this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Uh, he, says, he says this, Paul says, uh, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, other translations might be, uh, he, he, he is exactly in the nature of God, but he refused to snatch at God's station. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, so this idea of meekness, it's, it's not a temperament. It's, it's not a personality. It's not a person's personal psychology. Uh, and, and, and the reality is, is, is that some of us can read this passage and fake it, right? We, we, can, we can play the part, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about in this specific illustration of how he operates within the Godhead is that, yeah, I'm completely God. And I don't need to snatch at those rights. I don't need these rights. As a matter of fact, I'm going to use my rights for the benefit of others. It's not clamoring for the spotlight. It, it, it's not uh, this idea of, uh, in, in Western American values, uh, you know, I don't know if we got any Packer fans in, in, in the room, but uh, Aaron Rodgers often used to say, I, I just march to the beat of my own drum. Uh, that, that, that's, that's not what meekness is. It's, it's a willingness to submit to some kind of authority, a, a willingness to listen to others, believing that you don't always know what's best. It's not a temperament. It's not a personality. It's a supernatural act of the Spirit of God giving a person the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. I remember, 
Um, sometimes, you know, I didn't get married until I was in my early 30s. So when my wife goes home with me sometimes, we will um, see some old friends or something like that, and they'll tell the story, um, and they'll, they'll say, you know, back in the day, you know, Steve would just pop off on people. I mean, he, like, I, I just would watch out. They, my, my friend Greg told her, I just pay attention. Like, if somebody got loud around Steve, like, it, it had potential that that person was going to get cussed out. It had potential that, that, that there might be a fist fight that happens, right? Just, just right there. And one of the things that I've realized over the course of, of my life, um, this is new to me. I, I just came to this understanding. I assumed, Derek, that everybody had been in 10 fist fights in their life. I assumed that. I assumed that of all of you. You've been in 10 fist fights. You at least fought your best friend in a cage. You bled. You came out. You laughed. You cried. You hugged everything was better, right? What I have come to realize in my 36 years of life is that that is not the case. Um, um, some of you have not ever been in a fist fight and do not plan to get in one, right? And have never planned uh, to, to, to get in a fist fight. Um, and, and so I, I just realized, oh, that, that's not what everybody that's not what everybody does. And, and I would get offended, actually, when people uh, would tell stories about me in the past. And, and then people would say, well, I, could, I don't even believe that. Right? I feel like subtly disrespected. Like, what do you mean you don't, you don't believe that? Like, subtly, like, uh, you, you just really didn't believe, Like, you can't see me being about that life like that. Right? Um, and, and so I sort of get uh, subtly uh, offended by that. And then after a while, I have to step back and, and realize to myself that what I'm getting offended by is actually a testament to the supernatural work of the Spirit of God in my life. So much so that people would look at me now and say, I can't even, there's no way right? And sometimes I think we can, be, we can be so discouraged with ourselves trying to think through all the different things that we want to grow in, all the different things that we want to become better at, that we neglect the reality that God has already showed up in my life and done a tremendous work in my soul. I'm not everything that I want to be, but man, I'm sure not what I used to be. And that is all a part of the act of, of grace in our hearts. So, uh, so the scripture says, uh, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So when the Bible talks about the heart, it's speaking of sort of like the central nervous system of uh, a, who a person is. In, in this, uh, this passage is speaking about uh, the, the, Jesus' motivational headquarters. His, his motivational headquarters is humble. It is gentle. It is, it is meek. 
The very word in Matthew 5 and 5 is the same word in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, gentle and lowly. It is meek. Um, it's that Jesus, Jesus by nature is not trigger happy. He's, he's not harsh. He's by nature, he's not reaction, reactionary. By nature, he's not easily exacerbated. Uh, it, it is, uh, it is this, uh, this nature of gentleness and meekness and kindness and humility. And so when, when we see our spiritual poverty and, and, and you mourn the pervasiveness of how we build our lives on things other than God and, uh, and you realize on your own there's, there's no reason for you to uh, worry about what, th- uh, like when you get that, there, there's no reason for me to worry about what people think about me. You, you stop worrying about uh, what, are, what are people going to say about me because nobody can actually say anything that's not true of you. You know what? I don't need to clamor and hold on to a reputation that I feel like I built for myself. Because the reality is, in light of who God is and who I am, I am spiritually bankrupt and in desperate need of grace. And I have so seen the pervasiveness of sin in my own heart and in my own soul that now it creates in me not a defensiveness. It creates in me an approachability. It creates in me a compassion. It creates in me a gentleness. So that when people interact with me, it's like they have experienced some part of the kingdom. This is this person who doesn't hold on to their rights, who doesn't believe themselves to be better than anybody else, who looks at the person who has done whatever is taboo and says, yeah, me too except for the grace of God. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. And and yet, this is what I think the natural inclination of our hearts is. I think the natural inclination of our hearts is to be like Rambo. Something happens in life, and we feel like we got to equip ourselves with weaponry. Somebody has something bad to say about us. Somebody, uh, some, some, uh, some family member wants to uh, get underneath our skin. And, uh, and, and, and what happens over the course of time is, is that unconsciously, because of the pervasiveness of sin in our own soul, we always feel like we constantly have to defend ourselves. Married men look straight ahead. It's like unconsciously we go through life equipping ourselves with stuff to throw back to the other side, with stuff to defend ourselves with. We, uh, we, we, uh, they said that, okay, 
Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that in my back pocket. They, and it happens unconsciously because, because of the pervasiveness of sin and our, our need to, to defend ourselves and, and, and to always feel like we're in control of stuff, uh, that, 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 uh, that we sort of justify our, our, our actions and we justify our existence by being people who are always on the defensive. They did what? That's kind of a bazooka. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I need a bazooka. That's a little bit too much to bring to the party. Uh, but you never know, just, just in case, right? And, and we, we function like the Terminator in Terminator 2. Just, just, in, just in case with, with whatever clips that we need in order to ensure that, that we're, we're constantly ready to defend ourselves. We got the, the special knife in the, in the just, in, just, a, just a case. You know what I'm saying? We, we got the, you, you called up uh, Q and said, man, I need some special James Bond stuff right here. I need, I need the poison ink pen for you, right? And, and we, just sort of, we just sort of keep packing it in, okay, just to defend myself, just to be ready for when somebody comes at me, right? And what, what Jesus is saying is that you can actually rest from that. If, if your soul has recognized your spiritual bankruptcy, has mourned over the reality of the pervasiveness, and yet you know, as Dr. Tim Keller used to say, you're more sinful than you'd ever like to admit, and yet more loved than you could ever imagine. I don't have to carry around this ammo anymore. But... but but it makes me vulnerable. It makes me compassionate. It makes me gentle. I, I don't have to enact vengeance. That it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a temper, meekness is not a temperament. It's not a, a person's demeanor or personality. Uh, it's, sin runs so deep that it can only characterize you if it's a supernatural work of the Spirit of God in your soul. The interesting thing that I think that Jesus says here is he says that the meek will inherit the earth. Now, you and I understand world history um, in a lot of ways. Uh, it has never been the meek that inherited land, right? Uh, let alone in this country, right? The, the meek did not inherit the land. It was those who who took it, right? Who took it by, by force, right? And as a matter of fact, in Jesus' day and age, and this is the irony of what Jesus is saying, in Jesus' day and age, um, there, there's a 400-year period between the time Malachi is written and the time the Gospel of Matthew is written. And in between that, those 400 years, there are two revolts that happen that are known as the Maccabean Revolt, the Maccabean Revolt. What happens is essentially the Jewish people take back over Israel through power and authority. They, they, if you look it up, it, it, through guerrilla warfare essentially is how they, they take it back. And, uh, and, and, and then, uh, and, and so, so the very reason why the New Testament is written 
uh, in a language called Greek is because the Greeks took over Israel, right? Uh, and, and so the very reason why uh, the New Testament, Paul has to go to, uh, to Rome, right, to defend his rights is because the Romans then took over Israel from the, uh, from the Greeks. And, and so what they know is that power and authority and inserting oneself is the way that you inherit the earth. And they were looking to Jesus to be the guy who leads the next Maccabean revolt. They were looking to Jesus to be the guy who takes it by power, who takes it by authority, who takes it as a king of war. And he says, no, blessed are the meek. At the end of the day, when God puts it all to rights, the earth shall be those who are characterized by gentleness, humility, and kindness. Those are the people who own the land. And so some of you might be saying, Steve, I, I get it. I, like meekness is cool in the game. Like that's, I, like I understand I, maybe I need to grow in that area, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think I can actually do the things that you're telling me that I should be doing when it comes to meekness. It just doesn't line up with my personality, even though you told me all of that stuff about how it's a supernatural act of, of the Spirit of God. Like, I really feel like there are times when I need to be able to pull out the bazooka if I need to use it. I, I, I need to have times uh, when, when I got my special secret knives uh, in, in my boots for, from time to time. Um, and so I don't think I can practice the kind of meekness that you're talking about. And, and that's where I would say you're right. You're right. You, you can't practice that kind uh, of meekness. But the beautiful story of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that all the things that Jesus is characterized by or, and, and saying in Matthew chapter 5 are all things that he was and is. It was because Jesus was perfectly meek when, uh, when Judas had ratted out on him and, uh, and the, the soldiers come to take Jesus and he says to Judas, do what you came to do. It, uh, it's because Jesus was meek when he stood before the council of Caiaphas and, uh, and, and, and he said uh, that he was going to destroy the temple and, and rebuild it and then they questioned him on it and he remained silent. It, uh, it's because Jesus was meek when they brought the charges against him. He still didn't have anything to say. He kept silent. It's, it's because Jesus, in the midst uh, of a situation with a whole uh, series of Roman guards and soldiers, when they stripped him naked uh, and they spat on him and they uh, put a crown of thorns over his head to mock him and to ridicule him, 
him and say, prophesy, king of the Jews, who struck you? It's because the one who put breath in those people's lungs allowed them to beat him and to mock him and to ridicule him and to torture him that he now empowers and enables you and me to actually be characterized by meekness. It's, it's because they took Jesus up on a cross and, and, and they yelled up to him. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. It's because of the meekness of Jesus. Through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, that he actually empowers and enables you and me to be people who see the wages of sin as death. And the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, that he didn't just pay my entry fee, but he was my perfect substitute. On my worst day of following Jesus, I still get to say I'm standing in his righteousness and not my own. And that begins to shape in me because of his meekness. It begins to shape in me gentleness, humility, and kindness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that the Sermon on the Mount isn't uh, things for us to do, but there are things that we are becoming. Um, and I, I pray that as we reflect on your grace and kindness, as, as we recognize more and more that you didn't just pay the entry fee, that we would recognize the incredible nature with which you've loved us. And in light of that love, respond in delight to obey you. As we abide in you and you in us, you will bear much fruit. You will bear gentleness, meekness, kindness in us for your glory and our good. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.